Welcome, my dear friends, fans, and colleagues to Voices of the Sacred Feminine Radio, where we are busy going about uh, manifesting a new normal, where you, me, and probably many of our friends could safely call ourselves the cognitive minority, and that's a good thing. Uh, And you know why? Well, the cognitive minority, well, they're the people ahead of the curve. We're the people that get it. They're the people who see the handwriting on the wall and may be starting to create new ideas and ways of being in the world. Well, you know, the rest of the folk out there, they're stuck thinking if they keep doing the same thing and thinking the same things that, uh, that things will change. Well, it won't. (laughs) Uh, If we were in uh, earlier days, we might be a part of the Underground Railroad, for instance, blazing a trail toward freeing people from being slaves, or we might have been the ones who uh, helped uh, classify uh, rape as a weapon of war, or we might have been the ones trying to tell the Vatican the world wasn't flat and the sun didn't revolve around the earth. Yes, the cognitive minority, monkeys, 1 through 99, that's us. The ones who uh, we are as we work toward that paradigm shift, toward that hundredth monkey, to restore balance and create a world of equality, justice, peace, love, mutual cooperation, partnership, inclusion. And did I say tolerance? Yes, tolerance too, because this one-way thinking, well, uh, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. So thank you again uh, for tuning in to another great show, and uh, thanks to Elaine Silver for use of her music. Uh, that cut tonight uh, being called uh, Shekinah. Uh, you probably got that. And um, uh, tonight uh, I have two great guests with me uh, returning to the show after not being here for a couple months is our, our resident astrologer, uh, Kathy Pagano, and she's going to tell us about the cosmic story. Uh, there's so much going on. Uh, out there in the universe and the energies that affect our life, and uh, she's going to help us understand that and maybe um, give us some tips to work with it so that we're in the flow. Uh, Also, I'm going to try to remember to ask her about um, Saturn returns, especially second Saturn returns. Uh, Me and so many of my friends are at that point in our life, and... uh, um, it, it feels appropriate to be talking about that right now. And uh, our other guest uh, tonight is uh, Deanna Lamb, uh, talking about our topic, Red Tents as a Seedbed for World Peace. Uh, Deanna is uh, an internationally recognized pioneer in menstrual empowerment. Uh, she's the author of Becoming Peers, Mentoring Girls into Womanhood, and A Diva's Guide to Getting Your Period. Um, she's going to chat with me tonight about the importance of red tents as a seedbed for world peace. 
Now, you might already know about the red tents, but this is kind of a different slant on it, I think. Uh, Deanna will introduce the red tents um, to the voices of the sacred feminine audience from maybe this different perspective, including their indigenous origins, and explain the connection between red tents and world peace and how her unique experience of women in red tents in the Middle East, um, you know, how that all, you know, how these pieces all come together. Um, you know, and we'll talk a little bit too about what's missing in women's lives and how women can fill this void uh, and change the world. So uh, stay with me. Uh, you don't want to, you know, miss any of this good stuff and uh, might have some surprises for you at the end of the show. Um, and just want to say one announcement before I get to Kathy. Uh, I want to tell you, if you've been thinking about registering for the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference next week, can you believe it's already next week, uh, in Simi Valley, which is just north of California, north of California, north of Los Angeles, California, uh, you know what, don't hesitate any longer. The conference is filling up. Uh, If you aren't local and need accommodations, you want to be sure to have your choice. And um, and I want to stress the conference is open to everyone of all genders. I've had so many emails and Facebook messages uh, saying, well, I can't tell for sure. Is it just women? No, it's not just women. So you can bring your sons and nephews and husbands and um, significant others. Um, you know, it's open to trans people as well. Uh, this is not a woman-only event. Um, in fact, uh, I am uh, on a panel on Sunday discussing that very fact that goddess spirituality isn't uh, just for women. It's for everyone. And, uh, you know, I guess I could say when I committed myself to rebirthing goddess on the planet, I didn't think the great she was just for women. Uh, she is for women, of course, but she's also for our sons and husbands. She's for people of fluid gender. And um, think about this if you've not before. You know, it, we've had trans people or two-spirit people in God's cultures for a long, long time. So if we're trying to recreate a new spirituality using hints and clues from the past, well, being inclusive of everyone, not wasting anyone, is really vitally important. And um uh, you know, just think about it from a, a real practical perspective. Think about the numbers. If we really want to rebirth goddess spirituality on the planet, around the world, we women can't do it by ourselves, um, you know, because we're only half the population and um, men have more discretionary income. And you know what? It's hard for women to fully commit to something sometimes if they have to leave out their sons or leave out their husbands. So, you know, it's just practical that, um, you know, while we, you know, maintain uh, the idea of having, you know, women's space for women, of course we do, and men's space for men and trans space for trans people. You know, I think uh, we're the women that need to be teaching the men and be teaching trans people about goddess. You know, people say, oh, they don't get it. Well, you know, they're not going to get it if we don't bring them into the fold and take them under our wing and teach them. That's my idea anyway. So please uh, go to the Goddess Spirit uh, Rising website. Sign up for the incredible weekend conference coming up really soon. Uh, Remember, there are day rates too. Uh, And this topic of two-spirit people is uh, a great segue to announce uh, that the Joseph Campbell Foundation is issuing a charter for the two roundtables that I've started in Venice and Irvine, California. And uh, coming up on September 5th, that's this Saturday in Irvine at the Goddess Temple of Orange County, is a great presentation with a recent guest on the show, uh, Jillian Cameron, 
speaking on transgender spirituality, the redemption of a maligned wisdom. And yes, Jillian is a trans person herself. So uh, mark your calendars for September 5th in Irvine at the Goddess Temple, September 10th through 13th for Goddess Spirit Rising, uh, which is going to be a real top drawer kind of event with... uh, um, with wonderful rituals and presenters and vendors, and uh, you'll definitely get your money's worth. I think it's um, the day rates. I think are $125 a person. I think you can go for two days for $175 per person. That includes all your mails, all the events. Um, you know, and of course your accommodations are extra, but there's also like the Motel 8 not far away. Um, so anyway, check it out. Uh, if you've been thinking about it, don't delay any longer. It's next week, for heaven's sake. Anyway, um, let me say hello to uh, to my dear friend Kathy and uh, welcome her back to the show. Kathy, I'm so glad you're back here with us today. It's good to be back. It's funny because, of course, now I'm three hours ahead of you, so it's much later at night here, Um, (laughs) and not being on the West Coast anymore, but um, it was just as exciting to prepare to come and talk to you. Doesn't well, matter I'm so what time glad. <laughs> well, well, you know, I I have to admit, I felt a little lost um, not having you uh, talk to us uh, quite as often. We had a little lapse of a few months here since the last time you've been on the show. Um, so, you know, so so help us get through the, you know, the next month or so. Um, what is it we have to be watching for? How can we better maneuver the energies of the cosmos? Well, the big thing is that, and that I'm, I know everybody has been feeling it since July. And, of course, retrograde just means that from our point of view on the Earth, the planet looks like it's going backwards. And she disappeared into the sun. She was the evening star of wisdom and beauty. And she disappeared back into the light of the sun. And then she emerged around August 20th as a morning star. And so now a whole new beginning cycle of Venus is coming about for the next couple of years. And um, the morning star is a little wilder, a little more um, shooting from the hip, if you will. Um, It's about us taking the wisdom from the last cycle and saying, what do we get to do with it now? So um, people have been having relationship issues come up. Or people um, from the past have shown up in, in people's lives again. Um, real reconsideration of what is it that we value, and especially what do we value in relationships, learning those lessons of the care and the kindness that we really need to be giving to our people rather than the annoyedness that so often comes off of us when things aren't going right and we give it to our people, right? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know, you always get madder at the ones you love, and it's why they're the people you love. So Venus is asking us to reconsider our values, and she's in the sign of Leo. So um, a lot of us... um, 60s people, if you will, the baby boomers, we are getting um, kissed by Venus on our Plutos. Um, We have Pluto, the baby boomers have Pluto and Leo. And so connecting us to this deepening process. And so I don't know how um, you've experienced it, Karen, but it could also be a very creative time, maybe not necessarily beginning new creations, but thinking about new things and Anyway, she's going to um, stop going backwards and turn to direct motion on Sunday the 6th of September. 
Okay. Um, so if you feel as if things have been sort of on hold, that might be why. Um, there, there's been a feeling, at least for me and, and listening to some people I've been working with, that um, it's like, well, things haven't been moving ahead. It's much more of an inner process. And now, but all of a sudden in the last few days, um, it was Monday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Venus and Mars came together. And so if anyone was up watching them in the morning sky, you could have seen them together. But um, when Venus and Mars get together, once again, it's like you were talking about. The goddess is the mother. She isn't going to reject anybody. She Mothers just love you to pieces no matter who you are. Um, it's only when we try to fit our children and our people into categories that we start saying, oh, this is no good or that's no good. But to the Divine Mother, all of us, we're all her children, and so yeah. she loves all of us. And um, when Mars and Venus come together, our desires and our values come and into alignment. And so this, um, on Monday, it was the second of three times that Venus and Mars come together this year. And that doesn't happen very often, every few years. Um, but as you know, three is a magical number. It's the goddess number. It's the number of process and change. So we're changing the way we're relating um, to each other, women to men, our inner masculine or our inner feminine to our outer persona. So, um, And it's really about coming into balance, um, which leads me to the next thing, which is we're coming into eclipse season. And so this month is going to be have two eclipses. Um, the first one is a solar eclipse, meaning it's the, um, the sun, it's the new moon. And eclipses, um, when you have a new moon eclipse, it's about this is really a new beginning, okay? And um, that happens on September 17th, which is a big day and um, in terms of energy because not only is there um, this beautiful um, lunar eclipse in Virgo. Oh, excuse me. I apologize. The lunar eclipse is on the 12th of September, but on the 17th, a lot is going on. So you see, all through the month, first we have Venus going direct. Well, it began with Venus and Mars. So about reconnecting to our, our desires and our values. What do we love? What do we desire? How can we go after it? And then Venus saying, okay, I've got, I've figured out what I've gone backwards all this time for. Now I'm ready to go forwards again. Um, then we have um, the solar eclipse in Virgo, um, on the on the 12th and 13th but something is going on on the 17th which is it's very intense so everybody watch for it um uh, mercury's going to go retrograde hooray hooray right mm, mm, yeah <laughs> once again um saturn is going to move from scorpio it back into sagittarius which is big um, because Saturn's pretty much been in Scorpio for the last two and a half years. And so Venus being retrograde and asking us, you know, what do you think about relationships? Saturn and Scorpio has been all about get rid of the old resentments, get rid of the old fears and the barriers that you have with people. So finishing up that old business, Saturn then will go right into um, Sagittarius and we'll start to look at what we believe. So it's going to be interesting leading up to the next election um, in in the United States, at least. You know, it's all ab uh, about beliefs. And so we might either see more radical Christianity and 
and Islam, or the other side of it could be people are going to step forward with their belief for peace, with their hope for kindness yeah. and love, and actually stand up. And we are the 100 monkeys, and I think we need to start to do that. You know, after the 60s, when that first those two planets came together in the 60s, it happened in 65 and 66. That began that cycle of revolution and evolution that we've been talking about for the last three years. Really, most of the changes happened after they came together. Well, now we've completed three years of those two planets in a square or a 90-degree angle challenging us to really look at the issues. And now it's now that that, those, that square is over, now we're going to see people stepping forward and really taking the bull by the horns and bringing change into the world. I really think we'll do it. Well, I hope so. You know, I just worry, Kathy, that, you know, who are, who are the people more motivated to make change? And sometimes it feels like it's the crazies out there. You know, they're the ones that are really passionate. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, for me it's always, uh, you know, a, a lot of times it's about the politics. And I'm really thrilled at how people have, you know, um, gotten motivated behind Bernie Sanders, you know. I think oh, even, yeah. You know, even some Republicans, you know, like what he's saying. And, um, you know, talk about different ideas. I mean, nobody's talked about the kinds of ideas Bernie's been talking about. But, you know, because it wasn't, you know, even now, you know, you see in the media, um, it, it's it's like even the left media doesn't want to talk about Bernie's ideas, you know, because they're so corporatist. You know, they they don't yes. want to, um, you know, they, they don't want to verbalize why he is appealing to so many people. It's, it's um, you know, it's almost as if there's this unwritten um, rule, you know, like, uh, you know, like maybe... Um, the corporate media has told the, uh, you know, the TV personalities, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't tell people what Bernie stands for because, uh, you know, that's gonna, that could hurt our bottom line. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that he, he's the, he is the epitome of the '60s of our '60s revolution, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I was in high school and college in the '60s, and. He is a little older than I am, but, you know, he represents those ideals that really sparked us. So in a way, you know, we'd have to say, of course, somebody was going to show up at this time and in this moment to say, look, let's look at the reality of what's going on. The other thing is, you know, Pluto is still bringing up the muck of our society. So we look at the ridiculousness of the Republican candidates. And unfortunately, we look at Hillary and see all the ways that she's really gone off track. And, you know, this is part of it. You have to look at the, you have to bring it up and see it for people to recognize it. And it's just becoming so overt. We're seeing all the splits in our country. Um, yeah. But you have to be able to acknowledge them to heal them. We used to make believe that they weren't there, but now we know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know and I think, I think Donald Trump is, is actually doing a service. Uh, because oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think he's exposing uh, the underbelly of uh, of re Republican belief, so that even the people who used to think Republicans were their daddy's Republican Party, or you know, they got to look at him now and say, you know, these people are extremists. Yes, most definitely, and they're going to um, in, you know, tickle the fancy of of people who are tired of politics as, as usual, but, um, 
you know, part of it is our job as the 100 Monkeys is to go out and work for someone like Bernie Sanders and mm-hmm. convince the people around us of the truth of what's going on rather than the corporate, you know, media's take on things. So, yeah. Right. Right, right, but it right. all depends on each of us. It comes back to are we each becoming conscious? You were talking about, you know, we were talking about coming into this balance, and it has to happen within each of us. Yeah, As, yeah, I think you know the so. Dalai yeah. Lama would say. <laughs> well, yeah, we have we have to be active participants. I think you know we have to be putting yes. the right energy out there into the world and uh, as many ways as we can find to. You know, to do it, we have to be active participants, not spectators. <laughs> That's right. It's like saying, otherwise, it's our home. It's like staying in your house, and it's your home, and you don't do anything about it. And people yeah. come in and dump trash on you and rip your house down, and you're just sitting there, and you're going, oh, how interesting. I wonder yeah. why they're here, rather than, yeah. what are you doing in my home, and why are we, you know, and instead of worrying about, you know, other people, look at what's going on in the world People have been saying this is going to happen. Really interesting people. Did you ever read Doris Lessing's book? She was a no. communist from Rhodesia. She was a British citizen, and she grew up in Africa and supposedly a communist. But she wrote about all of this happening back in the 30s, um, you really? know, and, and the migration of people and the young people not having a voice. And... Um, and we really need to understand that that the goddess is a focal point of how we can bring about world peace in terms of, you know, the goddess doesn't say have t- every, you know, here's all the food, eat it all up yourself. Yeah. The goddess, as any good woman and mother knows, would say, wow, look at all the, look at what we have. We have a feast. Hey, everybody, come on in. Let's mm-hmm. eat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. it is the feminine, the divine feminine that is birthing a new world order and not the corporate new world order. And, of course, we as her daughters are the ones who have to step forward and, and teach, as you said, and be an example, definitely. Yeah. Hallelujah. And that's going on in the heavens. <laughs> yeah, that's going on in the heavens, too. You know, there's going to be a, the fourth um, total soul lunar eclipse at the end of the month. I think it's the 27th of September. And um, it's going to be, everybody in North America can pretty much see it. And um, and it's um, the fourth one in a row, which is pretty, you know, unusual to have have these total eclipses one after the other. Because each eclipse has a series, and it could reach back, you know, 100 or 800 years and reach another 1,000 into the future. There's all these things in astrology, which we won't get into. But... Um, to have four total lunar eclipses in a row, we had one in the spring, and then we had two last year, one in the fall and one in the spring last year. Um, that was very important. And so this one, of course, again, is the har- is during the harvest moon, and it's in Aries and Libra. And so, you know, it's about the end of the old, okay? Um, lunar eclipses are when you have a full moon, and then it eclipses. So what happens is the energy gets... Um, disrupted and something new can come in and something old can go out so hopefully with aries and libra we're going to start to see aries is very about much about this is what i want and libra is about well i know what i want but i don't mind compromising with you and Mm -hmm. so you know we can even see it with the iranian i just read today that they probably have enough votes to to pass the um the treaty with iran 
And, right. you know, that's a big step for us not to go to war, but to actually do diplomacy, which is Libra, which is the yeah. sign of Libra. You know, so this eclipse is, is very big, and, I, and it will be interesting to see what, the, you know, if we can keep going with this, uh, hopefully to the Paris um, Climate Conference in November, December, and actually get the world to to look in on these people who think they're running our world and make them change. Um, well, that how we that deal was, with it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they if they do something meaningful. You know, um, if, yes. If, if they really do something meaningful, um, you know, I think that'll be a good sign that um, you know this maybe this shift, you know, this awakening. Um, you know, it, it, it we can we can we'll see it. You know, we'll see it happening, and uh, um, you know, be reason for for hope. You know, for for hope, I think moving forward, and you know, I'm right. really interested in what the the Pope is going to be uh, talking pretty soon too. Um, as yes. a matter of fact, it might even be today. Is it today? Um, I don't know. I thought it was later on this month, but it could be. Um, I thought it was later on today, but it might be. Uh, I mean, later on this month, but it could be. But yes, yeah, another I- environmentalist. It's so interesting. We are finally coming together around Mother Earth, which is the goddess. Okay, yes. and yes. reclaiming her, renewing her, honoring her. Um, I have an idea. If anyone out there can make it happen, here's the idea: Why aren't our musicians doing like a live Earth series of concerts during the Paris conference? I'm sure mm. a lot of people don't even realize it's going to go on. But yeah. if you had concerts going on all over the world and people focusing on those concerts and the people at the concerts saying, "Guess what? People in Paris." We're watching you. Look at all of us. Filtered through my music to you, we're watching. So if anyone mm. out there can pull it off, please take the idea and go with it. <laughs> what a good idea. What a good idea. Well, um, we do quick live question. Aid. We do all this other stuff. <laughs> so listen, quick right. question for the conference, just in a, um, you know, sort of a, um, uh, a literal way. What What is the energy for the conference next week going to be about? Is, is it sort of um, relationship stuff? Is that a sort of the overarching um, energy for next weekend? Well, you know, part of it is Venus coming out and being strong. Okay, so it can it isn't quite relationship because you know what it is. It's during the weekend of the Virgo new moon, and so Virgo is all about the Virgin Mother, um, the goddess once again of the earth, the goddess of like Demeter and Persephone, the goddess of beco- being and becoming, the the plant and the seed, if you will, mm-hmm. and the mother and daughter mysteries, all of that with the um, Virgo solar eclipse. It's about Planting seeds of integrity, of of pulling our acts together, if you will. Virgo is very much about how do we integrate body, mind, and spirit. How do we become one with the mother, if you will? We could say that, too. Okay. How do we actually become children of Mother Earth? Um, our society has so cut us off from that. How do we um, How do we become her voice? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, and you know that that sounds like uh, a, the perfect sort of container uh, to be talking about a lot of the things we're going to talk about at the conference. 
you know, the teaching yeah. and the sharing and stuff. And so, listen, I know um, I, I see Deanna is um, is on the switchboard, but I'm going to beg her patience just a little bit because um, I want to hear a little bit about the second Saturn returns because uh, so okay. many of us are, um, you know, getting ready to enter those or maybe in them. What is the second Saturn return? It's a happy time, okay? <laughs> now, um, Saturn takes 28 years to 30 years to go around the zodiac and come back to where it was when you were born, almost like a moon cycle. Um, and so, um, and Saturn is the reality principle. So, with the first, up until the first Saturn return, Saturn usually makes us feel constricted and feeling as if we're not good enough. It feels as if it says, I'm going to take something away from you to test you and see if you can get get it right. So then after about 30, we start to get our act together, and it's okay. So when you hit 56, which is around the second Saturn return, 56 to 60, it's really coming into our mature power. So that's what I meant about it's really fun. After your second Saturn return, you start to say, what me worry? Why was I worried about that? What happened? Why, you know? Um, so unless you're really unconscious, okay, if you're totally unconscious and asleep and you're bought into the collective, okay, story of stupidity, let's put it that way, you know, you'll run into trouble because basically your cosmic instructions are wake up, learn how to be wise, and um, have different desires. You're not a child anymore. You're not a teenager. You're not a 20-something. You're not even a 30-something or a 40-something. It's time to be the elder. It's it's really about taking on the power of the elders. Okay. Okay. Okay? Okay. So it is yeah. a very happy time. It's not, you know, back when you were 28, it was kind of a scary time because basically it was grow up. You know, life is waiting for you. Go out and make something of yourself. This time, well, you, oh, look what I've made of myself. Well, you know, I've been reading stuff about the second Saturn return sometimes brings on uh, big changes. You know, you may be rethinking your life and, um, you know, either either by choice or by a push, uh, you know, things happen to take you down a new path. Is that something typical of the second Saturn return or not necessarily? Yeah, in some ways it is. It's that greater maturity. You begin to make different choices. Especially in our Western society, we keep choosing to think we're young, okay? Mm -hmm. And we keep choosing to think that those desires that we had when we were younger are the same desires we should have as older people. Yeah. And so, you know, so when you're when you get to the second Saturn return, actually if you're awake and aware, um you make conscious choices, but they're based on desires that are appropriate to who you are in your late 50s, not, you know, making believe you're in your 30s. So, right. um so if you're still asleep, then yes, big changes come and might smack you over the head. Okay? Yeah. Because you haven't been awake. But if you have been doing your work, it's a time to blossom. Well, yeah, I mean, because I, I was thinking for myself, um, I feel like a totally different person than I was when I was 30. It's almost as if, um, who was that person? <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it's been uh, a lot, a lot of changes and and uh, awakenings over the last couple decades, and uh, yeah, um, yeah. Now, now well, you were now like, a little acorn, and then you became a sapling, and now you're a beautiful oak tree. Okay. Oh, that's that's so beautiful. Thank you, Kathy. Well, we're going to have you to know? have you back soon. Um, you know, let's okay. uh, let's talk about that off the air. And uh, I want to thank you for being back with us. And please take a moment to um, you know tell listeners how they can find you and what services you offer in case um, um, you know they would like to avail themselves of your wondrous uh, gifts. Okay. Um, you can find me at www.wisdom-of-astrology.com. Wisdom of Astrology with dashes in the middle. Otherwise, you'll get to Alan Oaken. And he's a good astrologer, too. He's in Valley, but he's a guy, and I'm not. Um, and I am starting to, um, and of course, I see people over the phone and, you know, for astrology or what I call wisdom coaching, which is basically, you know, how do we access our feminine wisdom, both men and women, okay? And, um, and of course, dream work. I do dream work. But you'll find all that on my website. And I just had a big article published in the New England um, Holistic Magazine, The Spirit of Change, about the Wheel of the Year. A lot of people back east don't seem to know, as well as my pagan friends in Las Vegas, about the Wheel of the Year, so um, I'm very excited that maybe I'll be able to bring some of that knowledge and wisdom back here. Woohoo! Congratulations! Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm 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 glad to hear that. That's got to um, you know uh, you, here you are. You're you're already making a difference, and you just landed there uh, a short time ago. Yes, I had to get going <laughs> and see what I could see what I could do. <laughs> Well, and I'm sure I'm sure there's lots more. Uh, you know, the, the great mother is going to call upon you to do, Kathy. Thank you so much for being with us again tonight. We've missed you, and uh, I look forward to you returning. And I'm sure we'll chat soon and figure out uh, okay. when you're going to be back. Okay. Good and night, everyone. Go and hear Karen. She's awesome. So go if you're going to the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference. Go on a day she's there. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that would be Friday and Sunday. <laughs> but I okay, but I started in the Sunday, temple people. Saturday. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, um, we are about ready to uh, welcome our next guest, uh, Deanna Lamb, uh, talking about uh, Red Tents as a seedbed for world peace. Uh, but I'd like to do a pseudo-introduction of her, uh, in a sense, or this topic, by by telling you something very important. I wonder if you know. Do you know that only 12% of girls and women have access to sanitary products around the world? And in Africa, 1 in 10 girls misses school when they have their period? Those uh, are some pretty sad statistics, don't you think? And how many of us even realize that or comprehend what that means? You know, they just can't walk into a drugstore and pick up that plastic, uh, you know, that plastic-wrapped container or that box and be secure and safe that, you know, this month is going to be no big deal for them. No, 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 absolutely not. It is not simple for them like it is for us. Deanna, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much, uh, Karen. It, it's a delight to be here, and I'm glad that you bring attention to to the fact that that girls don't always uh, have access like we all have. That's an important awareness to bring. Well, you know, I was kind of shocked when I read it. You know, I considered myself uh, an aware person, you know, knew about, you know, women's struggles around the world. And um, that uh, that that just shocked me. I, I felt like, well, geezum, is there anything, you know, we women can do to, you know, help these girls across the world, you know? When, when only 12% of girls and women have sanitary products, I mean, I don't know if there are groups out there that actually help with that, but uh, I don't know. That felt yeah. like a worthy cause to me. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is, and there are groups that are that are helping, and I think that there are groups from both camps, the disposable camps, which, like you said, is plastic, and I don't know that I want to encourage that because in, in the United States the um, – Disposable sanitary uh, products are responsible. They're number two cloggers of landfill. Number one is um, mm. diapers, baby diapers, and number two are feminine hygiene products. So I don't know that I want to encourage that. The other camp is providing sanitary uh, reusable cloth menstrual pads and or teaching girls and women how to sew their own. So that's a much more viable, sustainable, responsible Mm-hmm. Um, approach to the to the problem. The, the problem is real. It's just that the solution is not to flood uh, girls there with with plastic. Right, right, right. Or or even the you know the uh, oh I don't know whatever that uh, tampon and and pad material yeah. is made out of. Yeah. You know. Um, but I mean I I think just here at the building where I live in, you know, people put these um, um, these wipes, baby wipes. Uh, down yes. the toilets, and you know this stuff it just never disintegrates I mean it just clogs everything and it it yeah. it doesn't yeah. fall apart like tissue paper does and yeah. um it it's it's a real it's a real problem you know uh, on so many different yeah. levels and and when they yeah. use the reusable cloth ones, they can actually take that blood and um, and you know, mix it with water when they rinse out their pad, and they can go, you know, pour that on plants and things, and nourish uh, nourish the plants in their garden. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. Deanna, let me, um, you know, for you haven't. I, I, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. It's been a while, and yes. let me um, um, let me properly introduce you to my audience uh, by way of All your right. bio. And then we will get into our important topic about uh, red tents uh, as a seedbed for world peace because, um, you know, I think a lot of women maybe have heard about the red tents, but uh, I'm not sure if they've thought about them in the way we're going to talk about the red tents tonight. So, um, dear listeners, Deanna Lamb, she is an internationally recognized pioneer in menstrual empowerment. She's the author of Becoming Peers, Mentoring Girls into Womanhood, and uh, another uh, publication, A Diva's Guide to Getting Your Period. She's the founder of Red Moon School of Empowerment for Women and Girls and a Red Tents in Every Neighborhood Global Network. She's finally known as the Womb Visionary. Deanna has been transforming lives worldwide for over 25 years, teaching women and girls how to love themselves unconditionally. She helps women dissolve 
PMS symptoms by drawing spiritual strength from their cycle, guides women in the art of welcoming girls to empowered womanhood, and inspires women to hold red tents in their communities. Deanna was the first to bring menstrual empowerment work to Israel and Palestine, her country of origin, where she helped Jewish and Palestinian women surpass political and religious differences by deeply bonding as cycling women. And you can find out more about her at her website, which is her name, Deanna Lamb, and I will spell it for you, D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M.com. So, Deanna, I'm I'm so glad you're back with me uh, tonight. Uh, If there was ever a time... You know, we needed reconciliation and peace. Um, I mean, we just turn on the news and it's upheaval all over. Um, Tell us about your work uh, in Israel and Palestine, you know, with the red tents. Because you know what? If Israel and Palestine can come together, if those women can figure it out, then there's real hope. I, I agree. There is and the key is, like you said, if those women can figure it out, because the men so far have not brought us peace. So True. it is really in the hands of the women, as the Dalai Lama said. And within the women, there is, you know, in the same way that that separation has been induced through educational systems all over the world, Women, as well as people in the Middle East, are feeling very divided. So when I came back, I grew up in Israel, and I was um, as divided from from Palestinian sisters and and um, and brothers. I mean, I, I really had uh, no connection because we grow up in Israel in a very apartheid situation. There are no joint endeavors. There are no joint cities. I mean, if there are a couple of joint cities, they are, they, the neighborhoods are segregated. They're, they're different. They're, one doesn't come into the other. There are no joint schools or neighborhoods or, or any activities like that. So um, before I left Israel in my uh, 20s, I worked at a school for peace, and we did a lot of beautiful reconciliation work among uh, groups of Jews and Palestinians, yet not once had it ever occurred to us to divide across gender lines, to work with the Palestinian and Jewish women separately and for men to work with the Palestinian and Jewish men separately. That has never occurred in anyone's mind, ever. So I left and I and I did my my life journey that took me to to London in England. I was there for five years and then since '92 um, I'm in California and started in California to develop my menstrual empowerment work in in '93 and since then I've been doing that. Well, a few years later, I would say probably before the the or just about when the Red Tent book was published, I decided to go back to Israel because I, it struck me that one that we've never sat together as Jewish and Palestinian women. We always connected as Jews and Palestinians co-ed. So I, I just couldn't believe that that had not been done yet mm-hmm. at that point. That was um, late 90s. And the other thing is um, realizing that this work that I've been doing here in California and in the United States was such a bond between women that 
I, I had the deepest of hopes and, and believed, but I didn't know whether it would be such a bond among women who have such differences between them and such mm-hmm. um, perceived uh, animosity. So I went and, and called a circle for Jewish and Palestinian women, and we're all blown away. What happened first is that um, I've invited women to share the story of their first blood. And women from different religions, from different backgrounds, from uh, you know, Muslim women, Christian women, Jewish women, some grew up in religious households, some grew up in atheistic households, some grew up in villages, some grew up in cities. It didn't matter. All of them were so 100% attuned to each other's stories, despite the differences in the details, the emotions and the feelings that each woman spoke of um, going through as an adolescent girl was something that each and every other woman in the room has experienced and could relate to. So all of a sudden, all those differences, culture, religion, politics, uh, you know, animosity of years, fear of years from each other, dissolved into nothing and melted because what was there was deeper and was common thread and was a joint experience for all of us. It was just mind-blowing for really for everyone in the room. Wow. Because, I mean, because women realized that they were really women first, you know, um, connected on that very deep primal level. And, um, uh, you know, the rest just um, sort of dissolved away. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, So, well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a giant leap to go from that to when you walk outside the red tent that, you know, all of the cultural and religious and political uh, trappings, um, baggage, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, do you, do you, did you find that it just returned when people left the red tent, or um, was there a residual um, connection that, you know, we're women first and this other stuff is secondary? I think that there was a spectrum, and I I left to come back here because my home is is in California, so I have not followed up that particular group. But I think that there was a spectrum of those who withdrew back to the familiar and those who continued to, to make connections. But having been touched by the realization that we have a bond as women that surpasses all of our differences, I think that realization is not reversible. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think um, uh, I think most people know what the red tents are, uh, but I, I part of me is feeling like you know maybe we ought to say just a little bit about what they are in case okay. someone's listening for uh, the first time. Um, why don't you speak to that, Deanna, and and also okay. the indigenous origins of the red tents because I don't yes. think I know about that. Ah, okay. I'd be glad to speak about that. So The Red Tent uh, is a novel, a historical novel uh, fiction, historical fictional novel by Anita Diamant, and she herself says that she has invented the concept in the biblical context, but the, the concept exists in all indigenous cultures, the concept of the moon lodge, the moon hut, 
the places where women gathered while they were bleeding during their menstrual time so that they were free to connect with the divine and with the depth of their own soul while they menstruated because in all indigenous cultures the time of menstruation was considered to be the time when the veil between the worlds is thinnest so it was understood that this is a time when a woman has access to the divine to the Mm. spirit world in a way that she doesn't have at any other time of the month and in the way in a way that men don't have because they are they are solar beings they are they are of a different um makeup right so so women have been encouraged and accommodated by their tribes to withdraw during their moon time during their menstruation in order to replenish and renew their own body and psyche as well as in order to be the oracles of their tribes. So women, because they were in this prophetic, shamanic state, each time that they bleed every month, we all are, if we allow that space for that, um, for dropping into that uh, space inside of ourselves. So the the native tribes, for instance, the, the North American native tribes, the women in the moon lodges would dream prophecies for their tribes. So people would come with questions, anywhere from personal questions as to which direction to take in their personal uh, journey in life, or the elders would come with questions such as whether to wage war or to, to sign peace treaties, whether to migrate now or later or which direction. And the bleeding women will dream prophecies, and it was absolutely understood that what the bleeding women are bringing forth through their oracle nature while they bleed is what the tribe and individuals in it are going to follow. There's not not a question about it. So that's, well, that's how, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, keep Keep going, keep going. I'll save my question. <laughs> Well, that's how it was um, perceived, and, and these were the customs in all indigenous cultures around the globe. In uh, Anita Diamond's uh, historical novel, she describes the biblical time of Genesis, the time of Abraham, Isaac, uh, and Jacob, uh, through the lens of the women's experience, Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and and um, they're, they're king's women's folk. And the, um, the lens through which those women live their lives is centered around the red tent, which is the place where they gather during their bleeding time. And since those are nomadic tribes, the, the tribe migrate and, and uh, wander the desert from one point to another, and whenever they make camp, whenever they decide to stop and make camp, the first thing that is erected is the red tent, because it is so crucial for the whole tribe, for the women and the men as well, to have the red tent in place as the hub, as the womb of the tribe, of the tribal life. And and that's and that's a, a beautiful tradition, and I think, um, well, well, we know that there are pseudo. I'm, I'm going to call them uh, pseudo red tents um, out there in culture today, where um, it's really just maybe the woman relegated to this 
um, you know, freezing cold, uh, cinder block, cubicle, or, I mean, things have gotten turned on their head and distorted where it's not, you know, a thing of beauty and reverence and, um, you know, it, it's been turned into, you know, something ugly and taboo. And um, it's so unfortunate because I think not just have women become marginalized and um, less appreciated within society, but, you know, I mean, that that has had to destroy their personal empowerment and self-esteem as well. So the community has lost as well as the women have lost as this idea of the red tent and menstruation and, you know, women's blood has gone through this um, evolution, um, but in a negative direction. You agree? I agree absolutely. And I think that what, what I see that happened is that the customs themselves could not be eradicated. So what the culture did, what patriarchy did, is that it took the reverence and the sacredness out of it and plant, implanted instead shame and taboo and, and curse. So, for instance, if you take the Jewish tradition, women are not supposed to do various household chores. Uh, they're not supposed to touch various foods, and, and there is a lot of marginalization of women during this time. So the custom of them withdrawing from the life of their family has stayed. It's just that it now is explained as being due to a woman being impure and unclean. Whereas mm-hmm. before then, in the past, we withdrew in order to take our full seat of power. So it's fascinating to me to see that the custom stayed, but the explanation was turned on its head from, from reverence and, and positivity to real shame and negativity but since the customs are here we can reclaim their explanation we don't have to start the whole structure from scratch absolutely and that's what the red tents have been doing you know uh giving women permission and encouragement to uh come back to this uh idea of the power of their menses rather than i think i just saw something you p- posted on the internet somewhere today about how um you know pharmaceutical companies are you know encouraging women to um i forget the words you use but it's basically um you know to do away with their period and you know or their yes. menses and yeah. you know that they they don't even know how that might be detrimental to women down the road. Yes, yes, that is, yeah, this is very uh, disconcerting because, um, yeah, what I put, I, I wrote an article about that because there are lots of women who are taking this this pill now that does away with their menstruation, and what I spoke of is that uh, suppressing menstruation is really killing the messenger. Because what the, the menstrual blood is, other than renewing uh, the, the inner lining of our womb, it also is a messenger that encourages us to stop, yeah. to take time, to go in, to replenish our soul in the same way that we are replenishing our body with, with the tissues that we are shedding from our womb. And um, I was comparing it to rain. So, you know, if, if we were saying, okay, maybe we can see... Uh, Think of a way to do away with the phenomenon of rain because it's inconvenient to get wet, you know, when we go out. 
Yeah. So, you know, you can see how the world without rain would would wither and die within a few seasons. Yeah. So, yeah. it's very similar what would happen to us without menstruation. Well, you know, I'm I'm thinking about how well, obviously, you know, these other societies who had these red tents, you know, they were maybe agricultural societies, I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe they could um, afford that you know that time away in the red tent. But can you imagine in our culture today with the stress that's on women? Women probably are lucky to get away a few hours a month to go to a red tent. I mean, imagine if women actually had a few days, you know, to to rest and relax and rejuvenate. Um, <sighs> You know, it, it, the, but the idea, I mean, here women are working full-time, then they come home and do their second job, you know, taking yes. care of the kids in the house. Um, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it, it would be difficult to uh, reintroduce that, that idea. I mean, a lot, a lot would have to change, and I mean, it really should. But, um, yes. you know, do you find that women even, you know, have problem? Uh, you know, have a problem making the time uh, even for our contemporary red tent gatherings? Yes, I do find that, and I I have, um, I want to answer in twofold. The first is to start giving ourselves permission from within, because when I work with women, I find that one of the main things that stops them from taking time is that they don't give themselves permission. They think that the world, the family, the workplace where they work will fall apart without them. So there is uh, some truth to it, but, you know, it has to start with inner permission. So the first step is really to realize that we deserve and need to take time and give ourselves permission to do that. The other part is something that I'm really excited about. I'm, I'm speaking about it now for for the first time publicly, is that I'm starting to uh, create a body of work of educating the guys because without their cooperation, we will get into wars of a woman wants to be taking her time and a guy doesn't understand what's that about and doesn't mm-hmm. support her, doesn't know that, that why why would why would she take time off i mean well, why would wouldn't he take time off so there is a right. lot of lack of education in both genders so i'm you, i'm starting yeah well i was about, i i'm thrilled to hear you say that you know because sometimes i get flack from women in the community who raise an eyebrow when I talk about teaching men about this kind of thing, you know. Um, And, I I mean, and I I feel like you do. You know, if we want men to understand why this is important, to see women as sacred again, to see our menses as sacred again, they're not going to get that through osmosis. They they need to be educated, and we have to be the ones to educate them. Absolutely. But I want to say, you know, I, I don't know about the flack, but I do want to say that it is important to have both ends. It's not either or. It's not like from now on the red tent would be for women and men. No, the red tents are for women, and there needs to be times every month in every woman's life where she can withdraw and be in a company of women only, period. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a sacred thing. And 
we also need to educate the men. It's not like now we're opening it all and everything is going to be co-ed. That's not going to work. So I'm just mm-hmm. wanting to make clear that it's not an either-or, that mm-hmm. I'm expanding my work to include men because I think the time has come. I've seen and heard and experienced many men in every place I travel that are interested and curious and want to know. And this is, to me, the next step of using the Red Tent for world peace. It's not only connecting between women of warring countries or women that have a lot of differences between them. It's also educating the men. And, you know, one of the main wars internally in our households, not only out in the world on the frontiers, but in our households, the most wars are between women and men during PMS time or menstrual time when there is a complete conflict between the the men and the woman of the house when when there is a a co-ed household. So this is to me a way to start bringing peace in bringing the men to come to the same page as we are. And we as women need to still be educated a lot because a lot of women are not yet fully on board or even um, have the information about how powerful they are and their menses. So the education needs to take place on both levels and on both realms rather than wait until we educate all the women in the world until the last woman is educated and then we'll go to the men. We can't do it like that. Right, right. I so, I so, so agree with you on this because, you know, we make the connection between, um, you know, when, when male-dominated society, patriarchy, um, you know, we see the connection between how women are abused and, you know, uh, the planet is abused and animals are abused. You know, this is, I think, a step toward uh you know, healing all of that because as men start to see women with different eyes, then by association perhaps that raises their consciousness to then be, you know, better caretakers of the species on the planet, better caretakers of women and the planet itself. You know, it just all makes such sense. Yeah. And it will start to bring to consciousness of both women and men the different ways of being. I mean, we are cyclical, men are not. So they have taken away the legitimacy of being cyclical, and we're all now living our lives linearly. So we, if once we start bringing back both rhythms, we can start dancing together with our rhythms and creating new dances and new musics rather than um, what we had for, for, you know, the last millennia, which is uh, one rhythm is completely suppressed and debased and the other is dominant. Right. Well, Deanna, two important questions um, I want to make sure I don't forget to ask you. One is for younger women, one is for older women. For the women who are still having their menses, You know, I can imagine maybe if this is the first time they've heard this and we're talking about, um, you know, the, the, you know, the sacredness and power of the menses and, but what if they're a woman who has never had anything but a bad relationship with her menses? Maybe she's always had cramps, maybe, you know, her mother didn't teach her it was anything but the curse. You know, and she's really just sort of got a negative view of it, and maybe for good reason. If it if she suffers with it, how does she 
how does she overcome that? I mean, is it possible to bring her along to this place where she has a better relationship with her menses and she can appreciate it the way you know we're talking about tonight? Absolutely, absolutely. That is the essence of my work. When you're asking about such women, that's the majority of us. The majority of the women that I meet and I travel around the world to work with women they mostly have not welcome, been welcomed. They mostly have had very negative impressions from their mother, and they have a very difficult relationship with their with their menses. And I see that turns around time and again with the work that we do. So I offer workshops around the world, and at the moment what, what um, is coming up that women can sign up to is um, – I do once a year my most in-depth uh, training, which is Healing the Inner Maiden. This is a training that leads to certification. It's online and on a conference call, so women tune in from all over the world. And we take a six-month journey once every other week on the phone, healing the adolescent wound, healing all the messages that we've received from our culture, from our mothers, from our experiences over the years with our blood, and really women come out of that with a whole new level of themselves being intact. So women come up, come out of, of those trainings with no symptoms anymore if they suffered PMS symptoms. Women come up and come out of there with a reclaimed maiden because many of us have empowered ourselves as adult women, but there is still a part of us, the adolescent, the teen maiden inside, that has been in the cellar, unwanted, unseen, and unheard. And we bring her out and we bring up the the archetype of the maiden and weave her into the women that we have become. And it's a beautiful addition and expansion to our womanhood. So absolutely, women definitely can get over those years of conditionings because it is up to us, and we have the tools, and we can overcome it. Okay. Well, it's it's um, you know such a powerful message that things can be transformed, and once they um, have that better relationship and they're feeling better about their menses, then I guess then the next step is this whole idea of empowerment and uh, prophecy and all the gifts that yeah. maybe um, they can suddenly see come hand in hand with it rather than yeah. the, the negative baggage of the past. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, all right, so the question for the older women, um, what about the women who no longer have a womb or they're, you know, perimenopausal, so maybe they don't get much of anything but spotting or, um, you know, wh- how do they fit into this? Is there a place for them? Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to distinguish between the two. So women who no longer have a womb have always been maidens. You know, they have been girls. They have received their first blood. They have received the experiences of negativity from the culture. So this part, the healing of that wound inside of them, 
it's never too late. Even a woman who's been postmenopausal for 20 years can still benefit from healing that part of her that is the first blood, the, the maiden, the adolescent part, which um, is still being unseen and unhonored and uncelebrated for all these years. So that's something across the board that women are welcome to the red tents that I hold because this is what we do is that we heal those parts from our adolescents that have been shoved down to the cellar. So that's one, one part. The other is that women who no longer bleed because they are in the gateway to menopause, they are entering a new phase, a new station in life. So in the same way that indigenous cultures saw menstruation as the time when the veil between the worlds thins, they also saw the time of menopause as a time when a woman holds her blood and her magic inside. So a woman who is uh, going through that gateway has, first of all, has the opportunity to celebrate this as a rite of passage. She may have not been celebrated as a maiden. She may well be celebrated as a crone, as someone who is moving into her wisdom years. So there is an opportunity there, and I'm uh, in, in the process of, of uh, doing that with, uh, with women who are moving through the gateway into their wisdom years. And what they have to bring is the wisdom of their station in life, which is absolutely crucial and necessary and needed for the women in the red tent because the red tents historically were places where all ages of women from menarche from first blood to beyond menopause women sat together it's only in these cultures that we live in now that we have a teen center here and a senior center there and it's all segregated and and um divided by age this is a beautiful opportunity for multi-age women to sit together a girl that just started menstruating and being celebrated is sitting in the red tent together with a crone who's just been croned and crowned and sharing her wisdom so the the richness of that is just delicious mm. Um, it it uh, it it does indeed sound wonderful, and you know if a woman um, doesn't have any idea if there are red tents where she lives, how would she find out if if there are people doing this? So I have on my website um, I have a page that's called Worldwide, and this is where I list all of our global network members. So women who trained with me, women trained with me in Europe, all over Europe, all over the United States, uh, South America. So you can go there and you can find uh, whether someone is listed in your area. And uh, that's going to dianalam.com and then going to Worldwide. And um, another thing, you know, women that um, want to start one in their neighborhood and there isn't another woman holding one, they can train with me and I have three levels of training that can um, get them started right away with a manual all the way to the most in-depth training that I just uh, mentioned, the Inner Maiden training that starts in October. So women can learn how to do it and create this in their neighborhood if there isn't someone else already doing it. Um, I, someone is sending me um, a, a message in the in the chat room, and they're asking yes. me to ask you if any of your training has anything to do with 
um, having a, a husband have a better relationship with a woman's menses. Uh, this woman is saying that you know when she has her menses, her husband doesn't want to have relations with her. Um, is is anything like that ever talked about in the in the red tents or any of your teachings? If this comes up from a woman, it is discussed. So it's not part of the curriculum, but if a woman sits in the circle and that's what she is interested in and that's what's up for her, then yes, we will discuss it. And like I said, I'm working now on materials that would be released uh, in the near future for men, and then um, it would be much easier for women to say, here, just read this, rather than her trying to educate him, giving him something to read that's not her trying to impose anything on him, but really getting him educated as part of his own path and his own journey. So, right. So, yes, so I'll have those soon, but, but if someone is in the training and this is something that comes up, then we will address it, absolutely. Okay. Well, Deanna, um, aside from what I've already asked, is there anything um, you would like listeners, um, you know, to know about the, you know, the red tents, especially, um, you know, how it might, uh, you know, fill, you know, uh, uh, maybe a void in in women's lives or, um, you know, how it can be that seedbed for world peace beyond what maybe I've asked? Well, I would say... If I were to to leave you with one thought, it's that if you, anyone that that listens, if you have anything but a harmonious, fluid relationship with your menses, with your cycle, if your relationship is by any means fraught with either pain, emotional or physical, if you're irritable, if your mood swings, or if it's just a ho-hum, it's not really something that you look forward to, then there is a depth there that's unexplored, and I'd like to help you explore it because it can be so much more nourishing. It really is an inner wellspring that you can feed off. And if you're not feeling that this is a wellspring that you're you're nourished by every month, then there is something for you to explore and to receive. Okay. Well, Deanna, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you, um, you know, came back to the show. And, uh, you know, this is such an important topic. And uh, I'm sure there's so many women out there that need to hear it. And it could be such an important, um, you know, transformative experience in their life. I'm, I'm sure it could... You know, uh, you know, maybe some people will say, "Oh, Karen, you're making too much of it," but I don't think so. You know, I, I think this uh, this can really make a significant difference uh, in women's lives, and then it's a ripple effect. You know, it's um, I believe that. Yes. You know, it's it's a ripple effect, and it affects their family and and their their husbands, and um, you know, it it it's just sort of exponential. So. Um, and it affects the next generation because they are they are raising women are raising tomorrow's women and tomorrow's men. And right. if they change their relationship with their cycle, then they raise girls that will not suffer like they did, and they would raise men boys to become men that support their women. Yeah, and I mean, I and I and I'm pretty sure that in this teachings, um, you know, there's things where you, you know, celebrate the the young girl's first blood and, you know, make it a, a beautiful celebratory experience yes. than what maybe most of us um, experienced, you know, the first time, you know, we had our first blood. 
Yes, what I do is I take women at any age and give them that celebration we never had, not only for the girls that are growing up today, but for the women, because hardly any woman living today in any part of the world has been truly honored and celebrated in in, um, the East and the West. It, It has... Uh, root in all of our traditions, but right now in contemporary culture, there is hardly any woman that I meet that has been celebrated and honored and witnessed when she came of age. So I take women on a celebratory ceremonial celebration of their coming of age, regardless of how old they are and whether they still bleed or not, whether they still have a womb or not, because it's never too late to welcome that adolescent maiden inside of us to womanhood if you haven't been welcomed then it's never too late to receive that and it is soothing such a deep place inside mm. well you know i i have one last question for you and it's yes. it's a rather difficult question i've been yes. debating if i would even ask you but uh, i ask you in all sincerity because i think it was asked of me in all sincerity um you know, there, there's a lot of talk in the communities now about, you know, with Caitlyn Jenner and, you know, transgenders in the news. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've I've heard about these people, uh, men, you know, who, um, you know, who in their heart and in their soul, um, you know, they feel like they um, are female, but, you know, they don't have the, you know, the same... Um, you know, body parts as as we women do. They obviously don't have, um, you know, sacred blood. Um, you know, yeah. some of them, you know, maybe have found, uh, you know, to have, uh, uh, you know, fallopian tubes or a uterus even sometimes. And, you know, these people lament um, never having had a girlhood. And I, I know this sounds like a crazy question, but is there a way to help these sorts of people, or is that sort of just out of the realm of, um, you know, of of any of this? So I can say what my experience is. I had, over the years, I had a few times when a transgender man asked me, or sorry, transgender woman asked me whether she can come to the circle because she was born as a man and she she had um, shifted her her identity and... um, She's now a woman, and can she come? So my question to her is this. So rather than an answer, I come back with a question because I'm genuinely interested to know whether a woman who has never had a first blood and had never had menses would feel, first of all, what is her motivation or her need to sit in a circle where every woman would tell the story of her first blood and she would be the only one without a story? and where women will talk about all the aspects of their bleeding and she would not have something to share. What is the need? Would she not be re-injuring herself by feeling left out because she would not have a story and she would not have an experience? So every one of of the transgender people that had asked me about coming that have met with this question have realized that they actually don't want to come. So okay. I did not have them in my circles, and that's not to say that they can't come to any woman's circle. I'm talking specifically what I do, and my work is specifically around menses and around the blood. 
So right. I'm not saying yeah. that I would ask them the same question around a, a woman's circle that is uh, generally about empowerment of women. That's a different proposition. But about the blood, it really feels to me that it could be re-injuring. Now, if a woman would have said to me, I'm transgender, and yes, I know that I will not have a story, but I still want to come sit with you in a circle, I would not deny it to her. But no one said yes after she contemplated this aspect. I see. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you for that. Um, uh, I, I, I appreciate the... Um, you know, I appreciate the answer because, you know, so many of our communities are being challenged with these sorts of questions. And, um, yes. you know, I, I'm not sure there's always right or wrong answers, but, um, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I think it helps to to talk about it. And probably, um, you know, there's lots of different people out there with lots of different stories. And, um you know, I, I guess I just think, you know, that you, there, there can't be one cut-and-dried answer for everyone, you know. So so thank you for that. Yeah, um, well, uh, I, I guess uh, unless uh, there's anything else you'd like to leave us with, Deanna, um, you know, I'd like to say thank you again for your, for your wonderful wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me back. It's really a pleasure to have conversations with you on the air. Okay, and you know, if you ever uh, find yourself that you're going to be down in Southern California, please let me know. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, yeah. thank you so much, and good luck with your work. And um, you know, please let me know when you get the, um, you know, the, um, the the new part of your work up and going, including the men. Okay. And you know, yeah. when you know, maybe when that's going for a little while, and um, you know, you have some experience with you know, how men are responding and how it's affecting yeah. the women in the red tents. It might be uh, might be time to have another conversation and share that, yeah. uh, you know, th- those new revelations. Sure, I'd be glad to. I'd be glad oh. to. And meanwhile, I just want to tell women again that um, where to find me and if they uh, wanted to um, join, it is really a good time now to join the Inner Maiden training because we start in October and I don't start it uh, more than once a year. So if you miss this one, you'll have to wait in a, another year, and it really is a very life-transforming training that um, that women come out of feeling really uh, transformed. So anyway, um, you can come over to my site, which is dianalam.com, and I'll spell D-E-A-N-N-A-L-A-M.com. And, okay, uh, thank you. And you click on the red tent. Click on the red tent, okay. and it will take you there. And if any listeners don't have a pen and paper, and um, you can always get in touch with me, and I will be more than happy to get, uh, you know, put you in touch with Deanna. So thank you again, Deanna, so very much. Uh, you're doing such thank important you. work in the world. I'm I'm glad to know that you're out there. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Okay, All right. Good night. Blessing. Bye. Same to you. Same to you. Well, um, I think I want to share some things with you that I think you will be interested in. Um, This uh, hot off the presses, uh, a friend of mine on Facebook by the name of Aurora uh, just sent something that, uh, and she gave me permission to share, um, because I, I... I don't know. It feels appropriate tonight. It uh, it's it's beautiful, and uh, and this is part one. I'll have uh, more of it. Um, I think probably next week uh, when I'm talking to Michelle Hart um, on the ninth. 
about uh, Inheduana, the first woman uh, writer and poetess uh, from, the, uh, I believe, Sumeria in Mesopotamia thousands and thousands of years ago. But uh, anyway, this from Aurora, uh, I wanted to share this with you. And it goes like this. My mother always told me to keep my legs crossed, to sit up straight, and to make sure I look tidy. She told me to date respectable men with stable jobs and high social standing. My mother also thought I talked too much and spent too much time outside. She didn't see a purpose to art, to nature, to music, to love without a reason. Then one day, I met a man dressed in wolf's clothing. And just as Shiva spends time with dogs in the graveyard, I found my match in a god, still wild. Sister, he said to me, let your hair down, remove your clothes, rest naked on Mama Gaia and let her cradle you. Invite me to undomesticate you. Let me nuzzle your chin. Let me lick your cunt. Let me remind you of your primal kin. And I shudder as the wild licks my lips. My head thrusts up to the sky, and we both let out a howl. Because I remember who I am. I am a daughter of the earth. I am the keeper of the moon. I am a bride to a wolf and a speaker for the wild. Yes, I remember I am a force of nature. Thank you, Aurora Ray, for letting me read that. I think that is beautiful and powerful. Reclaiming our power as women, our sexuality, unashamed. And remember, we are, yes, we are the cognitive minority. And in the words of Gandhi, First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Or author Schopenhauer, the philosopher, said, All truth passes through three stages. First it's ridiculed, second it's violently opposed, and third it is accepted for being self-evident. I like to repeat these things because, you know, when you're in the middle of an evolution or revolution, however you want to phrase it or label it. It's not always easy taking one step forward and two step backs or two steps forward and one step back. It takes tenacity. It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes determination. So that's why I like to remind you of those words. Also the words of Monique Wittig. She said, there was a time when you were not a slave. Remember that. You walked alone, full of laughter. You bathed bare-bellied. You say you've lost all recollection of it. Well, remember. You say there are no words to describe this time. You say it doesn't exist. But just remember. Make an effort to remember. Or failing that, invent. And finally, Thomas Paine said, We have it in our power to make the world over again. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, um, one final thing uh, before I uh, go back to Elaine Silver's cut of Shekinah, because I want to make sure you hear that whole piece tonight before I go. 
Um, Joe Carson uh, has something she'd like me to share with you. Um, for some time on the show, I've described the film Dancing with Gaia by Joe Carson. Uh, Joe also uh, has written a book, though, now. Uh, so besides her wonderful uh, Dancing with Gaia documentary, now she has a book out called Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Feriferia Path, which has just come out in a new expanded second edition. This is from a review um, uh, of a, from a, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Posh, who's the author of Radio uh, Paganistan, uh, Folk Tales of the Urban Witches, um, at witchesandpagans.com. Uh, this is what Stephen said about Celebrate Wildness. A scintillating new book by filmmaker Joe Carson in expanded second edition now gives access to Fred Adams' 50-year life work, rapturous poetry, erotically charged ritual, glowing surreal paintings, and an overall vision of a human culture utterly defined by wilderness, eros, and goddess. Then, um, in Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Feriferia Path, Feriferia uh, initiate Joe Carson unfolds the sumptuously petaled flower of the Feriferian vision with a stunning simplicity and clarity that would have left Fred Adams grinning with boyish delight. Celebrate Wildness is a visually stunning compendium of poetry, rituals, musings, and essays illuminated by Adams' own kaleidoscopic work. So, uh, my dear listener, if you buy only one pagan book this year, think about Celebrate Wildness. And if you haven't discovered it yet or you've uh, never heard of it before, you'll encounter the Feriferian vision, rearticulated for a new century and a new generation. And in this book, you will behold, whether you knew it or not, our collective history. So Celebrate Wildness is available from Farah Feria website. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. Okie doke. Um, well, I hope um, you will be with me again next week. Uh, we have another great show for you. Uh, as I said, uh, Michelle Hart, probably the foremost authority on Enheduanna, um, the first uh, first writer that we know in history who is a woman. Uh, yes, indeed, uh, she will be with us um, next week on the 9th, uh, right before the uh, Goddess Conference starts. And uh, if you are going to go to the Goddess Conference, please email me. Let me know. I want to make sure uh, I meet you and um, say hello and uh, you know share some time with you, find out what you like about the show, uh, get your ideas for um, you know maybe other guests and shows and um, yeah I think that's about it I hope you are enjoying the summer and um, I hope that you are finding your sacred roar yes indeed I hope you are so I'll say tonight say uh, goodbye tonight uh, with Elaine Silver's cut Shekinah Please enjoy, dear listeners, and remember the great goddess. She is there always, ready to embrace you in her golden wings. Good night.
Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, come through me now. Shahina, Shahina, I am set free. Shahina, Shahina, soaring through me. I open my heart with your love. I open my eyes with your sight. I open myself with your sweet release. I open my mind with your light, Shahina, Shahina, come to me now, Shahina, Shahina, come through me now, Shahina, Shahina, I am set free. Shahina, Shahina, soaring through me. I'm breathing you in the heat. I'm loving you in the south. I'm sharing your riches in the west. I'm trusting you in the north. Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, I am set free. Shahina, Shahina. 